I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back, everyone. It is good to have you all here. We are get hopefully by faith bringing this thing in for a landing. This episode, yes. that's faith. That is faith. Uh, and we're we're going to be we're going to talk about Jesus's ending to the sermon. Um, we we've talked about a lot of great things. Uh, you can go listen to all of them. But we just touched on that Jesus says therefore, which is coming back to everything he just said and how he's separated people into uh, those who hear and follow and those who hear and choose not to follow. Mm. So Tim is going to read the last part of this, and then we're going to get into it. Let's do it. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. All right. Thanks, Tim. Um, so before we get into the question, I want to sort of paint the imagery Jesus is using here, um, which I, I always think it's really helpful to understand what Jesus is referring to before we start deciding what he means by what he says. And for most of my Christian life, I uh, grew up near, rough, kind of near the ocean. So I always pictured this as um, like sand on the ocean versus like the cliff face that would be next to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the Northeast, so most of the beaches have like some amount of cliff face, even if it's not super high, with some sand. Um, the people Jesus was talking to were not ocean people. They were desert nomads. So ocean imagery would not have resonated with them in any meaningful way. Uh, they didn't like boats. They didn't like uh, large bodies of water. Uh, what this is most likely referring to is a desert wadi, which what a wadi is, is a dry riverbed uh, with some cliff face on either side. Um, if you think like a gorge or a canyon, wadi's probably a slightly smaller scale, but you kind of get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's in the desert, most of the time there's no water mm-hmm. because it's in the desert. Um, and the sand here, the... Jews had two ways they referred to sand. They referred to sand of the seashore and just sand, and this is just sand. So this would be the sand that's in the bottom of the wadi in the riverbed portion. Um, the cliff, uh, the rock would be the cliff face that's high up above, um, again, at the top of the gorge or the canyon. Mm-hmm. And one of the characteristics about the desert is that the desert, while there's very little rain, it does have a rainy season and it does flood. And from people I've heard talk who have uh, been out in this part of the world, if you're in a, at the bottom of a wadi, and they've even said, I would not go in a wadi during rainy season. Mm-hmm. 
They were like, under no circumstances would I do that. And one of the characteristics is it is a flash flood. Um, mm-hmm. If you're in a wadi during a flood, from again, from other people who have told me, um, you hear a 747 engine, you hear a jet engine, and you have 30 seconds to get out. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, you have 30 seconds to, to get out of there. If you don't get out of there, you are taken away. And if you've ever seen videos of a flash flood, it is horrifying. I, I have a video we can include in the show notes that shows this. They caught Excellent. one in a wadi. It's wild. It, it's, yeah. it's, gnar- it's gnarly, and you don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so because this is a desert, they don't happen often. I lived in the desert for a few years, and this doesn't happen often, but it does happen, mm-hmm. and it will eventually happen. So that's sort of the context we want to paint before we get in there, get into this. Um, and then when Jesus says, build your house on the rock, what is he talking about? Is he talking about the materials you use or the location you choose to build your your house in? Hmm. I, uh, I don't know. I have... It was really interesting to talk to hear you talk about the the context there with the wadis and um, to think about that because um, I my background's actually in architecture and planning mm-hmm. and uh, one of the first things that you do is site planning if you're doing a new building you want to figure out where are the steep slopes where are the you know where the wetland buffer areas where mm-hmm. are the areas where it's not good to build. And uh, so I think that there is an element to this of, um, you know, uh, where you choose to build. I think that is important. But then after that, I think the foundation is super, super important because and if you're ever if anyone's listening to this and you're in the the market for buying a home and your inspector tells you, hey, the foundation's got problems, just run away. <laughs> don't don't just bother. Just leave. <laughs> don't. It's Walk not away. That's why it's really cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's $300,000 less than every house in the neighborhood. Uh, I think in the context of uh, the immediate context here of what Jesus is saying, building one's house on the rock is synonymous with doing these words of mine. Mm-hmm. But I think there's maybe also a case to be made for the rock being Jesus himself, mm-hmm. because throughout the Old sure. Testament, God is referred to as a mighty rock, and, and Jesus here is asserting his authority, and uh, we won't be saved without him saving us. So we have to listen to his teaching. And it reminds me a lot of what Paul writes um, in Ephesians 2, where the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, the the element that everything is measured off of and in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Mm. Yeah. So one, one of the things I think about here personally is that when I, I think this is, it is somewhat about found, you could make the case that's about foundation materials, but when Tim links the video note, the video in the show notes, uh, doesn't matter how strong that foundation is, that house is coming down. Because it's because it's all mud, basically. Right. There's, yeah. there's been no, like, there's been no rain. So it's just, you get all of this runoff that just, it's just a mudslide, basically, yeah. that just takes everything in its path. Yeah. And if you've ever seen a wow. video of a mudslide, it, it's not, it's not pretty. Yeah, is it's it, frightening. Is it like, well, 
it would be, I was thinking of liquefaction, you know, in San Francisco and anywhere where there's fill and there's an earthquake, suddenly it becomes like thick soup and mm-hmm. buildings are just like. It's more liquid than that, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's like when you, it's like a dam break basically. So it's like, like all a of flood the, of water, but it's like flood of it, mud. Think, think, yeah. of the wa- think of this, like the water picks up Anything. whatever is in its path. Right. Yeah. And so it's not just water now. It's water with dirt, with mud, with maybe projectiles trees. being yep. thrown trees. at you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Trees, um, any small rocks, stones, yeah. big stones, <laughs> potentially big rocks. Yeah. Um, but so You're even, toast. even if the theoretical, theoretically here, if you could build the perfect foundation on the sand, mm-hmm. once you see the video, your house is coming, that house is coming down. It doesn't matter how strong the foundation is. It, it is a flood that will annihilate everything in its path. And so I have to think, I read that and I have to think Jesus is talking about building up high on the cliff face, not in the riverbed, not in the bottom of the gorge, but on the top of the gorge. I have to think he's talking about that. And I think there's a couple characteristics of that. The first is that it's actually out of the way of the flood. Like the worst of the flood does not get the high river. Now, there are situations you can imagine where it would, there could be some damage, but you're not in the path of annihilation. Mm -hmm. You're sort of avoiding it. And I think what Jesus is trying to say here is, look, if you do what I'm saying, you actually are building your house out of the way of the worst of it, of the worst that could happen. What would entice someone to build in the lowland area then anyway, is it just out of ignorance or, or like, is there some like other thing that's, Oh, that would be nice. He refers to them as a fool. So I would assume, uh, (laughs) you know, it's an interesting thought experiment. I would assume it's kind of a, you're not necessarily going, Hey, this is a bottom of a wadi. I really should make my life here. (laughs) I, I would, you know, cause I, I have a, belief that people are trying the, their best and doing the best they can, I think it's more just out of not paying attention. Well, I think it's it's flat, which flat is easier than the top of a cliff, Yep, maybe easier to get to. And I think from what I've looked into wadis, they're not always completely dry. So it might be like, oh, I'm going to build here because it's close to this nice little brook, this nice little water source. So if I build my house here, I won't have to go far to get water. Yeah. It reminds me of Lot a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, let me go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. I got a lot of great land there to develop. Yeah. I mean, we're hypothesizing now because we're not from there. Jesus often uses things, parables, Mm -hmm. to... That people were like, oh, the answer is obvious. Uh, yeah, of course okay. you do that. And then she's like, well, that's why you, that's know, what, you should do this thing, right? That's right, what, yeah. like, and then puts, yeah. so here you look at the parable and you're like, of course you'd build your house on the rock. Right. But Jesus is saying, that's what, the, if you're going to do that, you mm. need to hear my words and put them into practice. Mm. Yeah. Right. That, so that's maybe it, it might be as simple as that. I, it might be. And, and I think there is a, there is an entire, there is a thing where it's like, well, yeah. Yeah, no, only a fool would do that. Well, <laughs> right. well <laughs> let me tell you how foolish we all are. So, I, But I think it's it's helpful to see it that like if we actually do this, we actually are... I said actually way too many times in that sentence. <laughs> I'm an engineering yeah. major and who's going to business school, not an English major. Sorry, um, if you are an English major and listening. Um, 
you're you're out of the path of the worst of taking the worst that life can throw at you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there is a there is a little bit of if you're on the cliff face, you just don't have to deal with the worst of it. You still got to deal with it, but that complete annihilation, mm-hmm. that thing that ruins you, mm. that that just ruins everything in its path. You can avoid a lot of that by being with Jesus and by building your house on the rock and by actually following what Jesus says in the sermon. What What do you think are some of the distractions or or sinking sands of our day? Then, if if we're if we're to take this and make it practical for us, since uh, we don't live in a wadi. Uh, area and know what that's that analogy is like. What if? How could we make this practical? What are some of the things that uh, that are attractive to us that maybe we shouldn't build there? Yeah, I mean, I wrote a bunch of stuff down when I was thinking about that, but then now after being in the middle of this conversation, like the central issue that Jesus is hitting for this particular parable is that you're going to hear what he's saying and. And you're either going to say, that's a nice idea, mm-hmm. and you don't do it, <laughs> or you're going to hear it and say, I've got some work to do. I've got to reorient. This is, is going to be the foundation of what I'm doing. Yeah. So to, to, there's a lot of different philosophies out there, and I think we can cling to those things maybe in, in opposition to Jesus and what he's saying. But I think the, the central thing that I'm taking away right now is – Jesus is laying out, this is the way to avoid destruction. This is the way to be able to stand strong. Are you going to, are you going to do something about it? Right? Like, is that, is that, are you going to be like, I heard a good lesson and that was nice. Right. And then I walk away and I forget what the mirror showed me. Right. Yeah. So that, that to me is like the the essence of that. I think, I think, uh, to, to be practical for me, um, you know, I think I've mentioned this. I'm married. I have two kids. I work full time and I'm going to school. So like I tend to just like go through and try to like take, get everything I need to get done, done yeah. as best I can on a day-to-day basis. And it's very hard to go through life intentionally. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to stop and think about how I'm actually living. It's, it's, it's just hard. And I, I, for me, I need to stop and it's less a matter of attraction for me than it is a matter of just not thinking about it. And I need to just be better about looking around, stopping and evaluating and thinking. And if I'm being honest, I don't think a lot of us do that. I don't think a lot of our listeners are doing that. I don't think we actually stop to think because to keep the imagery going, if you were building your house and you looked and you said, this is a riverbed in the desert. How did this get here? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, there's there's a nice cliff face here and I'm at the bottom of it. Yeah, sure. This like If you stopped and thought for a little bit, no sane person would do that, which is the point. Yeah, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a siren going off that do not do this. <laughs> but a lot of the time we don't sit and think for it enough mm-hmm. about what we're doing and about or about what we're about to do to make a good decision about it. And I need to do a better job with that of just sitting and going, is this actually what I should be doing? Yeah. 
That's good. Being intentional, mm. considering what you're doing. You know, I had the same impulse that you had, Tim, initially. I wrote down all these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And then I thought, no, I can cut this list short because it's anything that is not the will of God is sinking sand. And I thought when, when Shemitra and I were looking for a house, we found this house that was beautiful. It was brand new on the inside. Everything was nice. But when we got in and started to do the inspection, we found all these little things. And one thing we found, the one thing that was probably most attractive to us about the house was the bathroom that was attached to the master bedroom. It was huge. It was beautiful. It had a big, massive bathtub with jet whirlpools in it. It had a big walk-in shower with shower heads on each side and above. I just thought, I'm going to live in this room. The inspector came in and he said, this is a disaster. Before he even walked in there, and I thought, what, what, why? And he said, see this floor? The marble that's on this floor is marble that's meant for walls. It's not meant for floors. As soon as this water gets, as soon as this gets wet, which it will, it's a bathroom, this is going to be an ice rink. This is going to be so dangerous. This is crazy. Do not buy this house. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, what? so what happens with all those things in my list is anything, if I'm not basing my, uh, if if the foundation of the house that I'm building with my life is not the will of God, it could be anything else. It could be something beautiful. It could be something that's worth putting effort into a relationship, a career, uh, 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 writing a novel or bodybuilding or anything, any of these things, they all have some intrinsic good by themselves. But if they become the foundation, it's like I used this good thing for something it wasn't meant to be used yeah. for. Yeah. That makes it deadly. That makes it's, it dangerous. It's, it's an idol. Right. right. Yeah. I, I had, I had, it's funny, both of you, I, I had the same, I did the same thing, all these lists of things. And, um, you know, uh, I think it is very simple. It is, it is, it comes down to anything, um, that you would put your heart, your, your trust in mm-hmm. other than, than God and his word. And I think, uh, Tim, something you said, um, like uh, something about like going to church and not uh, like, Oh, that was a good sermon. And then walking out and not doing anything about it. Like look, reading the word. And then like, like James says, you, you walk away and you immediately forget what you look like from when you looked in the mirror a minute ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that that is something that is, that is, um, scary. Um, but I think, uh, because I think there are a lot of people that do that, that come to church, you know, um, Across the U.S. on a typical Sunday, there's people in churches that are, I'm checking this off, you know, mm-hmm. and now I'm going off and doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing that the people had in common in when Jesus is talking to them is they all heard his words. Right? Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, that everyone's equal right there in the yep. audience. And that's what happens to us when we hear those. We, we have a choice to make. Yeah. And that's. That's not really knowing God at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I also think it is worth pointing out, though, that like there's nothing easy here, right? Like Jesus mm-hmm. does not paint this picture of like ah, this is just you can easy and it's obvious and it's always obvious that you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's hard. It's it's complicated. Like life is 
difficult. There are sometimes like we've talked about, you know, and I, I'm sorry if I've talked about it in this way. Uh, the right choice is not always easy. It's all, and it's all, it's not always easy to make, and it's not always easy to know what the right choice is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we have to, you know, before we keep going, we have to acknowledge that sometimes it's not obvious. It's not clear. And sometimes we have to just make the best choice we can at the time and trust that God is going to like, if, if I was wrong, okay, mm-hmm. I'll figure it. Well, God will show me later and I'll course correct. Well, in Jesus's example, the floods come to all of us, right? The, the storms are going to beat against our house. Um, no builder can control these floods, right? So how has God, I guess the question I have is, how has God's word helped you endure storms in life? Yeah, I mean, in brief, the I was talking to a couple of guys recently and we were talking about the relationship between self-control and hope. Hmm. And... Um, there's, I'm forgetting where, but there's scriptures that link self-control, hope, and grace. And I'm trying to think, oh, what's the relationship between these things? And, and when storms come, when diff- difficult challenges come, you know, there's, there's a desire to maybe throw away it all, right? Throw away whatever I've learned to give up, to give up hope, um, to be like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give into what's easy here, right? Mm-hmm. And what, what the word of God, I mean, where God shows me a way, right? That's one thing, but also the word of God, Jesus, that came, he came full of, of grace and truth. He's someone I can like ground my hope in. So when things are really difficult, when things have been very difficult for me, I can look to Jesus, his life, his words, and say this is this is someone this is who i can base my hope in right mm-hmm. who i can continue building on even though things feel like it's not going to happen like mm-hmm. i can't make it through this yeah. Yeah. whereas there have been many times when i'm not doing that there's like there's very clearly like not much else to, to trust in when things get really difficult it's more just like oh, i hope i make it right like there's yeah. so so jesus gives me something to ground my hope in. Yeah. That's that's how I summarize it. I love that. He's our high priest who's been tempted and tested in every way that we have. Yeah. So I, I'll give a con- an example from my life. Um, when I lost my job, which I've talked about before on the pod, um, you know, I I was pretty broken up. I was pretty anxious. I was not, you know, I, I'm, let's not, I'm not going to paint myself as any sort of example to follow. Um, but I was pretty broken up, but I also was praying, was trying to read my Bible, uh, and was actually working on getting another one. And I think the reason I was able to do that was because even though I didn't necessarily feel taken care of in that moment, I could emotionally didn't feel taken care of. I could on an intellectual level, which is where my kind of heart starts intellectually and then the feelings kind of tend to go. That's how I roll. Um, I could see the way God was using that to protect me, losing the job. 
And I could also say, I've been in this position before. I know God has taken care of me, and I know he'll take care of me again. And like, if you walk with Jesus and if you build your house on the rock, you can know and be confident that God is taking care of you, that Jesus is protecting you from some of the worst of the storms. Mm. And you can know it. And and you might not feel it. Like, it might not feel like, ah, I feel so protected by this. But you at least know that that's how this is working. And you can... Get yourself, or I can get myself to a point where I feel it. I can work with God to get to a point where I feel it. If I know it's true, Mm -hmm. then like I can do that. Whereas if I just am like hoping it's true, it's really hard to get to the point where I believe it. If I'm like, gee, I really hope this is true, but I don't know it's true. That's yeah. a much harder yeah. bridge to cross for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I think that, um, boy, I could tell you some stories. <laughs> uh, but I think it all goes back to the, the quote that you gave, Tim, a couple of podcasts ago about um, you might not be able to do certain things, but what you are able to do, you should do. Mm-hmm. There was a point in my life, later on in my Christian life, after I'd been a Christian for 30-some-odd years, where everything sort of, everything I thought I was working on and gaining kind of disappeared. My my wife stopped coming to church. My children were not coming to church. I was by myself. Uh, my wife moved to another state to pursue a career opportunity. I was literally by myself. And I remember sitting and thinking, well, I guess this is it. I'm done. I should just, I should just sit here in my living room and live the rest of my life and not try to pursue anything spiritually because everything that I pursued felt like it had fallen by the wayside. Mm-hmm. I can't even save my wife. So why even do this? And then I thought, about the fact that what, well, what can I do? And I thought I can't lead something. I can't teach something. I can't preach something. I can't share my faith with anybody because I don't think I have much faith, but I can go to church mm-hmm. and I can still go to church and it's not going to kill me to go to church. So I'm going to keep going to church. <laughs> and at that point, that was all that I could do. And God, through just that little bit that I was still able to do, through uh, what seems like a very short time to me now, looking back at it, brought things back to me. He brought things, he, he, he resuscitated things in my spirit. And I can't point to a single instance or a single, it's a, it's a conglomeration of Many things that happened during that time, but it it all sort of came to fruition. And it it started with that one moment where I said, I think I'm done, except I can still go to church. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And that was a decision that I had to make many times. Every Sunday would roll around and I had to say, I'm going to go to church just because I can. 
and yeah. and some Sundays I would go and it would be I was in a horrible place when I got there. I was in a horrible place during the whole time and I left in a horrible place. But sometimes it was, you know, just a, a pricking on my heart from the Holy Spirit that said, okay, yeah, I'm going to go next time. Or yeah, you know what? I can read, I can go to church, but I can also read my Bible still. Yeah. So let me get back to that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we talked a little bit. Of, this is reminding me of some of the other conversations we've had when we've talked, we've referenced things like, uh, uh, John of the Cross or, you know, uh, different people who have gone through a Job that have gone through horrible situations and how God, um, well, with Job, God meets him in, mm-hmm. in a storm. So that storm coming down on Job's life and then God is right there. And um, sometimes... Sometimes you you need to you need to be have everything stripped away from you, like mm-hmm. you were describing Van, yep. where you realize those things are not real foundations, exactly. and God is the only one that is really my rock and my redeemer and my fortress, and in those places He rebuilds you. Mm-hmm. It's um, not a pleasant experience. <laughs> And uh, I've had times where I've been through things where I, I think, just why? 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 Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. Why? Mm-hmm. And um, on the other side of it, I, I can see what what fruit it's produced. But yeah, it, I think I love what you were saying about just hold on. Mm-hmm. Hold on to him. So uh, the the hard road. Thank you guys for listening. Fourteen and the rain and wind of verse twenty-five and following seem to imply a difficult way ahead. Why does the sermon end on such a somber note? What should we hear as we sum up this sermon? So, so I actually I hear something a little different because when he says, uh, "Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice." And what I hear in that, I'm I'm as conditioned as anyone to hear the negative, you stink aspect of things, uh, probably more. I'm in therapy for a reason. Uh, but I, I hear that and I go, wait, he actually says we're, we're going to put this into practice, which means that Jesus actually views us as being capable of putting everything he said into practice. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't say easy. Jewish rabbis didn't have a habit of asking their disciples to do things they didn't believe they could do. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, I hear Jesus saying, this is hard, the road is narrow, there's winds, there's floods, it's not necessarily pleasant, but you can put this into practice. You are able to do this, and I'm going to walk with you, and there is so much hope at the end when you put this into practice. Mm. So I see it, I personally see it for Mr. Doom and Gloom, which would be me <laughs> generally, uh, I see it as less somber and more hopeful mm. and more encouraging that, yeah, this feels like a lot and it feels overwhelming, but I, I, 
you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I was looking at this, I looked at the words uh, for beat against it. Mm-hmm. It's the same. And it, when it's in, it translated into English, but they're different words, slightly different in Greek. And in verse 25 and verse 27, where they appear, um, they're different. And it leaves the reader, I think, with an image that uh, the one who builds his life on Christ withstands any violent beating that life can send. While the one who builds on sand crumbles with a mere stumble. Mm-hmm. So even though we, we talked about how mm-hmm. violent the wadi uh, uh, experience is when that storm comes, the words he uses here actually uh, denote, uh, you know, the one on the rock. It doesn't matter if the most violent storm comes, it's going to be fine. The one on the wadi, you know, you just trip on it and oh, you crumble apart. And, and so um, I think there is a... Uh, a direct connection then between the narrow road and gate that, you know, being Jesus and the strength we have in him to endure to the end because he has overcome the world. Yeah. I, I, I was going to, that was the scripture I was thinking of from John sixteen thirty three. take heart, I've overcome the world. Um, there's, you know, salmon grow, they, they become, they're little fishies in the river, they go live in the ocean for a long time. And then in order to get home, they have to swim upstream mm-hmm. and it's really difficult and it's, it's challenging. I mean, have you ever tried to paddle upstream? It's like brutal, <laughs> but they do it. And I think that's some of, that's a little picture of kind of what the living the way of the kingdom is like, like it is, it's swimming upstream in a lot of ways, but it is the way home and it's a good home. Yeah. Hmm. No, that's good. And, uh, as we, we're actually bringing this thing in for a landing now. Let's do it. Uh, there's one more question, and it's and it's in verse 28 and 29. And I think this is a thing that's really easy to read past, but I want to camp out on it for a, for a minute. Uh, probably more than one minute. But uh, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. What does it mean that Jesus had authority? That's a really, that's not a familiar thing. Uh, as somebody who, who uh, is generally ju- distrustful of authority, like me, um, what is he, ta- what is this saying? Like this, it's just phrased weird for our world. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean that he had authority? I think it, what's um, um What's so amazing about this for, for his ears is that he didn't teach like one of the scribes. He, he wasn't someone who was just like, oh, here's, uh, here's what the law says. In fact, he, he, he says, uh, you've heard it said in the law, X, Y, and Z, but I say A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And so he's calling what he's, I think he's doing is he's calling people to build their lives on his words mm-hmm. and telling them and his hearers that they're completely dependent upon him, that they have to trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we think of when we when we see Jesus, when we read the scriptures, um, we see him in a way that they didn't see him yet. Mm. You know, he was still he was still a man to them. And an uneducated man, a poor man. What's this carpenter doing here? Who, who does he think he is? And, you know, there are passages in the Bible where people confront Jesus by saying, who do you think you are? Um, his, his authority comes from 
Those are extraordinary statements for him to say, this is what the law says, Mm. but this is what I say. For him to say, if you put into practice my words, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to validate your life. Yeah. That's what's going to make you whole. It's a, it's a, it's it's a massive amount of authority. Yeah. It would be it would be arrogance in the mouth of somebody who was anybody other than the son of God. Hmm. So I, I think one of the things that was helpful for me is to go back and do a little bit of research on like the rabbinic world. Um, hmm. And that's where you know we we in the 21st century we think like, well, everybody has the right to a biblical interpretation, right? Like who are you to tell me that my interpretation is wrong? Mm-hmm. And that's not how they viewed things in the rabbinic world. Like you didn't, me who is not, who's a nobody, does not get to interpret what Torah says. Mm. That is not my job. That's the job of the rabbis and not just any rabbi, a rabbi who could introduce a new interpretation of Torah had to have like approval it was the phrase I believe was called shmiha, was meant you had authority to interpret Torah, to bring out a different interpretation than was widely accepted. And to get shmiha, you had to have two rabbis who already had it. Now, how they, how everyone knew mechanics of that, I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> had to start somewhere. Yeah, we got to start somewhere. <laughs> but But you had to essentially be approved or you know, ordained by two rabbis who had it to be able to have to, they had to like give you the authority. And Jesus, when he was baptized, John the Baptist said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then God himself says, uh, you know, basically this is my son whom I loved with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. Yeah. Right. And so God is almost handing Jesus the, not almost, he is handing Jesus the authority to say, and and again, I believe that Jesus isn't actually saying something new necessarily. He's saying this is what God was trying to get at from the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I This idea, this isn't new, but I have the authority from my rabbi, John the Baptist, and from God himself to come up with this different, this interpretation of Torah that you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. And I think the people went, you know, the teachers of the law were not supposed to come up with new things. Mm-hmm. They were just supposed to teach what the law said and teach what the rabbis were teaching. But this Jesus has, he can tell us what Torah was really supposed mm-hmm. to mean the whole time. That's cool, Jim. I, that is cool. You, you reminded me of, um, in John... Uh, there's a, several exchanges where Jesus has to uh, give his defense for why he's able to say these things. And he yeah. brings up those kind of points, yeah. which is really interesting. And yeah. at some point he's, at one point he says like, Hey, John testified about me. He's like, I don't need like yeah. human testimony, but I'm but saying it. So anyway. you, so, so that you might believe like yeah. you would like to believe John for a while. So, yeah. Which I think is the benefit of like, yeah, he doesn't theoretically need human testimony because he, we look back and say, well, yeah, he's God. He has the ultimate authority. But like asking people listening to the sermon, to the Sermon on the Mount, the people standing there listening to go, oh, yeah, he's God. He has the authority to say this. They would have been like, "Yeah, wait, we've never heard anything like this before. Like this is clearly a guy who has some real authority. 
not just a guy, not just a good guy. Yeah. He has the real authority. Can I, can I just tell you all, uh, thank you because it's, it's something to, to where I know we're going to go back and look at the Beatitudes after this, but it is something to, to end here with Matthew seven. Um, because I do feel like you've helped me to be more amazed mm-hmm. at Jesus's mm-hmm. words and him as, as my teacher. I, I feel like the meditating on this scripture with you guys and having these discussions has really helped me, uh, feel that kind of, wow, this is cool. You know, I, I love it. So thank you. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah, no, I, I totally have felt the same thing. Um, I mean, it just, the, the, the challenge I can have is I can like it's it's what Jesus is talking about in these last fifteen verses. You know, you hear it and you just don't do anything about it, or you hear it and you say, "Well," or you hear something else that's like more streamlined, and you're like, oh, "I'll just go with that." You know, that's basically yeah. the same thing. Um, but we've just had the opportunity to sit with Jesus and sit with the parts that are uncomfortable, yeah. sit with the parts that challenge us. So the parts of, that just like resonate super strongly and we're like, oh, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's the way the world is. Um, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and so it's 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 been cool. It's just been like really taking serious what Jesus said mm-hmm. and being like, okay, these are, this is the way we build our house on the rock. Like, let's think about what that actually means. It's been a really cool experience. Yeah, for me, it's been, it, it, it it's always been something that I looked forward to because I love to geek out over scripture. <laughs> but then when I think about it, and I think about the year, maybe over a year now over that we've year. been doing this. Um, this is this is church. <laughs> this is what I should be doing all the time. This is the the getting together with brothers who have maybe different perspectives. We all come from slightly different backgrounds. We've all got, we're different ages, and yet we can get together. And every time that we've done it, without fail, I've left with something that I did not come in with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that has either encouraged me or or challenged me in, in my walk with God. It's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun being. I wasn't in for everyone, but being able to come in and out and uh, and kind of share some of this and and hear and also hear uh, what kind of the the different perspectives and you know we've kind of you guys all have probably heard enough from all of us to kind of figure out what our backgrounds are and what uh, you could deduce some things and put them together. But as we close, I want to just make a request to all everyone listening and to all of us who are here, and that's that. Um, Jesus says a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, this is my best area of scripture personally. This is the one that I'm most familiar with and best at talking about. And, and it can be very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and there's a lot that you can see in here and there's a lot that you can feel and, and you're probably right that you don't measure up to. And, and my ask for you as you stop, you know, as you turn this off is just do something. You don't have to do everything and you don't have to be perfect and it's going to take a long time yeah. for you to get to where God is trying to bring you to. But my ask is that you simply stay mm. and that you stick around and that you don't quit and that you keep trying and that you just stick with it. 
And then my other ask is that you build another, you build a community of people who you can talk through this stuff with, because this is actually really helpful for all of us. It might be helpful for you listening, but it's actually better for us <laughs> because we get to talk about, and I remember there have been some episodes where we've been like, wait, I don't get that. That's new. Like, let's explain that. Yeah. And that's really where the incredible teaching comes in Mm -hmm. is not with us talking, but is with us going, wait, I never thought of that. Mm -hmm. Let's work that out. Let's workshop that. And so maybe find one or two other people you can just talk and go and ask questions and go, what is going on here? And you can do research and share your research together. Yeah. But I want to, I want to just ask all of you, just stay, just keep going and then try to figure it out. Good stuff. Amen. Thanks, guys. Good deal. Thanks. Thanks.